Welcome to the Creators on Comics podcast. This podcast is a conversation between two creators dissecting the craft and technique that goes into creating comics. This episode features two comic creators who co-host the YouTube channel Indie Comics Relay, Johnny C. and Keith Gleason. Johnny is the writer of Surrounded by Death, and Keith is the creator of Mighty Mascots. The pair of them often interview other comic creators on their YouTube channel, so I invited them onto the podcast to give them the opportunity to interview each other for a change. Here's their conversation. Okay, this is Johnny C. I'm a comic creator, producer, uh, produced the comic books Surrounded by Death, Sartana, and uh, a few other shorts, uh, Summon Cthulhu is Hard to Spell, Volume 1 through 3, and uh, a couple other shorts, another one in We Suck at Comics. And uh, I'm uh, hanging out with my good friend and uh, co-host on Indie Comics Relay. Uh, I'm going to throw it right over to him right now. All right, yeah. Keith Gleason, I am the creator of Mighty Mascots, Hero Envy, Swamp Tales, a bunch of other books. Also a promoter, Comic-Con promoter for Plastic City Comic-Con. And with my pal here, Johnny C., we do a show on on YouTube called Indie Comics Relay, where we just talk to comic creators and try to give like a bunch of little uh, fun little videos to help indie creators get better and we're here to interview each other yeah <laughs> the so day has finally come yeah i know <laughs> it, it's funny show yeah i know we have such a camaraderie yeah, we and, do. on our show and we kind of started off um right out of the gate just interviewing indie creators but we we never actually have interviewed each other which is interesting N- not directly but i think a lot of our opinions and things that make us creators um it comes out during our show so if you watch our episodes and you hear our feedback and a lot of it's reiterating the same thing sometimes but i i think we've kind of expressed who we are as creators on the bylines oh yeah of our own show you know what i mean we but we've never with... addressed us directly in a question to question format really. oh yeah definitely we hang so, out a lot too so i feel like yeah. i know you over dinners and yeah, yeah convention sure. after convention dinners yeah. and good you know, movies bad movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's very true but yeah. yeah you know like way back with you johnny like um you know like we often ask on their show the origin of our, our creators like when did like when did you want to like when did you discover the fact that you wanted to write a book like is was it way back in the young johnny or is it high school uh... <laughs> well so it's like it's weird because like there's several points in my past where i can point to and go oh i wanted to be a comic creator or i wanted to be a writer there okay. and um it, it's you know and with each iteration it kind of defines it a little bit more so like i can point to in um middle school okay and just not liking to like read but loving movies and instead of writing like book reports or like if there was a creative writing project it would be like a sequel to a movie so oh, okay. like terminator yeah. 3 or you know back when i was a kid my version <laughs> of what terminator 3 would have been and um so i think that was like the first earliest memory i had of like oh i like to creatively write stories and then I could, you know, fast forward a little bit further along and, uh, you know, I 
discovered uh, script writing and film and doing all that. And then, you know, in turn, uh, I wrote a web series with a group of friends and I turned around, I can point to that and go, okay, well, this is where I learned script writing and form, you know, there's a format for it. Now, all along, I've read comics and I've loved comics since I was a kid, but I only, I never really thought I was like, oh, this is something I can jump into. It was only yeah. something that was like, I appreciated. And I think a lot of it was just like, you know, these people are great making these books. I don't think I'm that great or great enough <laughs> to work in comics. So that was always kind of the back of my head. But here I was doing like this film stuff pretty intensively on the side and uh, struggling with it just because it was, you know, we're low budget. We're trying to you know, string a group of people together on um, shoestring pizza, beer, money, you know, yeah. that kind oh, yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, and then we saw how hard that was, but then, you know, on the flip side, I was going to Comic-Con and I was seeing how people were creatively making comics. Uh, and I was like, well, wait a minute, like, you know, this is possible maybe. So that's where I discovered, um, like the indie you know, community a little bit, a yeah. little bit of the indie community. I started going to a lot of the, uh, and I think the, a lot of, uh, my precipice of becoming a, a creative professional, was going to conventions and every convention or a lot of conventions have these, you know, how to break into comics panels and then, you know, frequenting those and then kind of seeing my peers, you know, at different shows that are, you know, doing those same panels, then seeing those people over and over again. And then yeah. that's kind of how I found myself getting plugged into the community is that people who were seeking to learn are also seeking to connect. And, you know, given that I was traveling a lot, I go to San Diego, I go to Chicago, I go all over. Yep. I was connecting with these indie creators in these communities. And I found that, you know, that's kind of how I was able to, you know, establish myself and get kind of my foot in the door of meeting other indie creators and, uh, uh, you know, kind of Becoming... myself as a comic creator as well. And so, you know, I, I realized film's really hard. I couldn't do it, but I can make comics on the side and i met artists and realized you can you know work with artists over the internet and that's kind of where my jumping off point was so there's First several film, yeah. yeah several points where i can say oh well, like i was trying to be a you know writer here but i think that's kind of like the hop skip and the jump of how i got to where i am gotcha yeah and like it's funny because with film because i i dabbled in that a little bit too with the web stuff you know back in uh, this must have been like 2005 to like 2010 or sh around there. Yep. And um, it's such a harder medium to be a part of because it requires so many people to make a finished product. Yes. Whereas the com uh, comic books, it does take a team, but it's less of a team. Like it's, Honestly, if you have the if you have a, a good artist, he could almost cover the the pencils, the inks, the colors, and then the lettering sometimes. And you can almost do that in one guy, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, so it's like maybe three or four people that come together to make the comic, you know, versus I mean, how many in film? Like like 50, maybe you know, 20 right. if you're making a low budget, it, it, you know. And that's not even including the performance aspect of it because film you're just capturing performance right right so it has to be scheduled on a day where the most people are available where the main primary actors are available and committed to doing the role like there's so much that you're critically relying on other people yeah. that if one sometimes if one domino just is not there the whole thing falls apart yeah. and when you're working creatively in comics 
it's a little bit more liberating because, you know, of course there's a deadline, but you're not like, okay, we all have to be here on this one day at this one time at the ass crack of dawn when the daylight's perfect right. to get this one <laughs> shot. You know what I mean? And yeah. It becomes oh, yeah. So and not to say that it's not fun to do that or, you know, whatever, it just becomes so intensive and, it, you know, it's hard to do recreationally. Right. You know uh, I, mean? I agree. I agree. <laughs> and it, it was funny with the stuff I was doing with those guys. It was essentially five of us um, acting, writing, uh, you know, turning the camera on basically. But yeah. like we had zero idea about lighting you know, or any of those touches you need to make a good film. Like we right. would just turn like one of those garage spotlights on and right. put it in front in front of the actor it's <laughs> it like there like we a go construction we're site yeah. lamp you know one of those yeah. like you see on the side of the road when they're doing <laughs> yeah. like construction or whatever <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty yeah, much I mean, our, our our track for our film track where we laid our you know the, the base for our camera to move the, the the camera around was like some you know materials we bought at home depot you know, we got two like pipes of PVC pipe. We got a platform with roller skate wheels, the bottom that just was allowed you to, you know, seamlessly, you know, push and pull the camera back and forth. So you can get these like semi cinematic looking shots where the camera's right, right. moving and it looks really good, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's why to bring it back to comics, like I feel like it's a lot easier in some ways of a medium to create a story, you know, where you don't I mean, there's advantages and disadvantages to both film and comics, you know, um, but I feel like comics when you decide to make one, you're you're almost like the director, you know, right, right. Or the project coordinator, whatever you want to call it. Well, if you think about being a writer for a, like a, a film or something where there's, there's, you know, moving picture. Yeah. Um, you have to think like, okay, I'm writing to not only the character, but I'm also writing to the actor. Yeah. So there's like several layers you have to write to, to, to consider. Whereas if you're writing comics, you're just writing the character and you don't have to worry about an actor and, you know, appearance is like, and, and that's the funny thing too. And actually this might be a little, thing that we can kind of you know riff on for a minute here but like i don't think too much about appearance of a character unless it's integral to the story you know what i mean like how a character looks like like any uh, any detail like race you know gender unless it's important to the story like that's all irrelevant i mean there'd be times where i'd be talking to an artist and they're like well what do you think about this character he's like you know I didn't really think about that beyond their function as a character. Interesting. And I also feel like that gives like any artist I work with a little bit of liberty to be able to have creative input. So they feel like they're part of the project and not just being dictated, illustrate this, you know, across 22 pages, you know? Right. Oh, weird. Yeah. Cause I, I, um, you know, like I, I think when I create a character, I do do a little bit of that. Like, should this guy be white? Should this guy be black? Should, you know, um, and yeah, I never thought about doing it that way where it's just like, leave it up to the interpretation, I guess, unless you're, you know, you know, like in fact that the character has to be a woman or, you know, right. Or, right. Well, like, you know, if you're going to be writing about like, you know, Oh, the Yakuza mob, 
Yeah. You know, you can't have, you know, you got to write to that specifically. You, that Gotcha. Yeah. That directs you specifically. So you have to make that choice. But like, if you're kind of, you know, working on just the character portion of it and like their function in the story and you want, what do you want them to do? Like, you know, like, oh, I, I want to write a story about a rookie cop. Yeah. You know, and what's this rookie cop involved in? And, you know, what's the, you know, what's the path of his, of his character arc? Um, you know, that it's only after the fact I'm like, well, okay, is he a man? Is he a woman? It, does that improve? Right. Like, does it does affect the story? Right. Yeah. So that's only a question I would pose after the fact. Is he old? He, is he young? Is he is old? He... Is he young? Or even any of that at all. And if, and if none of that seems relevant, that's where I'd say, well, let's leave it up to the artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never thought to do that. Or I never had an instant uh, situation where I was like, oh, this guy's going to be ambiguous. Unless it was just a, a small, like, nothing character that either gets killed, you know, in the first page or so. Or even, like, um, a, a you know, a character being rescued or something. You know, it's just like... I, it's just like a device for the storyline, you know, then I don't really right. care. I let, you know, the artists do all that, you know, right, um, right. but if the character is part of the story in a, any kind of major way, I think I usually have all of that in mind beforehand, but yeah, I never thought to just do it like blindly like that, you know? It, well, it depends upon the function of the story. Like right. Yeah, before, exactly. Right? Like, like if, you know, if it's, something specific then you know obviously you want to point to okay this has to be a man or this has to be a woman but and you know in, in some ways it doesn't have to be anything when you're writing it's just like your open sandbox you know what i mean you could you can yeah, do whatever a, you want it's interesting philosophy especially for um for writing comics too like even like bringing it back to film for a second you could probably do that with a a character you write in the screenplay you know if the art if the actor shows up and it's like well that's what the, the this character is all of a sudden you know yeah, yeah. well i mean <laughs> there's been plenty of times where i've put out a casting call and i've had a specific idea for a character and somebody gives a different you know better performance but they're not quite there it's like obviously you have to go with the flow yeah. and you have to adapt it for what works for the scenario you know what i mean yeah oh yeah definitely whereas comics i don't think you have as much of that issue especially if the story doesn't really call for you know specifics on the character traits and stuff like that right right although i seem to use some of the traits you know when i create a character for a reason you know like when i'm thinking about it you know, like, um, just, you know, I can't think of any character off the top of my head, but like, you know, like, I feel like when I create them, I have that reason that they are this race or this a man or a woman or, you know what I mean? Like, right. You know, depending on what it is. So, but, um, Look so there's two white guys talking about characterization. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to, to, to add to your point about, um, when you found when you started going to conventions i yes. did too like uh, like that's uh i didn't start setting up to conventions until we started doing the move the the web stuff because our webisodes were very geek centric you know we're, we often called the show like you know big bang theory if it was actually funny you know mm -hmm. so and um we our first comic con was actually uh wizard world philly 2008 i believe were, now were you attending or were you going no, as like an exhibitor we went as an exhibitor okay gotcha, so we gotcha. rent so 
the way we worked it too is like four of us were the the you know the core members of the group i guess and we would all split the cost evenly four ways okay so i think at the time at wizard world we ended up getting a booth and it was like still expensive then and i want to say it was like 500 or something but it was like a nice booth we were right next to zenoscope it was the like their first or second year publishing and it was wild well not to cut you off i was gonna say you know what's funny is that in san diego yeah yeah i have that legacy spot that i'm in 21 oh yeah yeah there every year we're right next to xenoscope are you that's funny (laughs) that's too funny man but they were like they were a while like they could the stuff that they were doing to promote comics it, it not to get off on a tangent here but yeah you, you wouldn't see now necessarily they had like scantily kept they must have hired they still strippers do, do they, they do still, that still? so yeah they still got the booth babes and oh, okay I mean, it's a more muted and toned down they're not okay. like in the bikinis out front pulling you in but like you know they've got like you know a couple of attractive uh booth individuals booth there out front. okay and yeah, yeah and then they got you know um like all the you know like the busty like stuff that looks like it was just you know five minutes into the future of the 90s yes. style. you know what <laughs> i mean exactly so that's still all there and you know there's a market for that and it's real funny i had a conversation with another uh creator friend of mine mm-hmm. um who's been on our show before my good friend jeff Ryder. Uh, oh jeff about, yeah yeah about you know making something provocative earning money off that but also being tasteful enough where you can stand behind the work you can say yes i did this i produced this and that's this and that you know yeah like i i couldn't speak to their quality because i've never read it those bad girl comics it is a genre of itself but i i um yeah it was never my thing in any form the only one i can kind of remember reading was a vertigo title called codename knockout that was kind of like a parody of all that stuff and that's why i kind of liked it because it was kind of funny sure but um but to get back to the whole wizard world thing um that was our first time going we all we had we all we had at the table was our business cards and one dvd that we made with like three episodes on it and we were trying to get people to buy it we were there more for promo so we were just kind of walking around and handing it you know getting people to come over and check it out we had a tv on the booth playing like a trailer and all this stuff you know we were like dude we made it you know yeah, yeah, at this yeah. first show. <laughs> but what ended up happening as like um as the years went on and i was we were doing the hero and stuff and selling dvds i i kind of wanted to do comics because i kept seeing like you know people there um selling their indie books and i would often walk through artist alley when i wasn't promoting at the table and i would look at people's stuff and talk to artists and stuff because i was still reading comics pretty heavily and um yeah and it's something flipped like it's like i want to make a comic like even when we were doing the webisodes i'm like i'm gonna go and work on a comic that's gonna tie into our webisodes and that's where i started like the first hero and miniseries but um, yeah, that's where I got the bug for it was just going to a few shows like that, you know. So um, real quick, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I know that you're also a student at the Kubert schools. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. did that come before or after the web stuff? Before, actually. Before. It's so funny the, because what's that? Yeah. No, so it came before. So there was always kind of the uh, desire to, to make comics, even though you were doing 
webisode things previously yeah like i i always wanted to do be more of a comic strip artist because i my art um even though i can do it it's it's never when i look at it it does not look like you know uh one of the <laughs> the marvel artists basically i was I always had a, it's like sunday that? funnies kind of artwork yes. a little bit like the stuff that's in hero envy right that's you no, no, that that wasn't me. Oh. That was a guy we hired to make a oh, cartoony okay. book. My my Swamp Tales is more my style. Oh, Swamp Tales, yeah. But yeah. even looking at that, it's, it's it seems a little bit more like Sunday funny strips, you know? Yeah, kinda yeah, like kind of like Garfield, Far Side kind of thing. Right, right. And but I was always bad with perspective and drawing, like you know, like ripped guys and ripped women. Like I I couldn't do it well. It, it always looked cartoony, so. Hey, that's kind of why professionals I... can't draw feet, so don't feel yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Whoever could you be talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> but um, you blocked say, me on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was gonna say is like, so that was, I guess, like how I kind of fell more into lettering and more into writing because I knew my strengths were not. I wasn't gonna be able to make a superhero book to the way it looks in marvel or dc so i was like all right i know my strengths and my strengths are not there so that's how i kind of fell into being more of a cartoonist but the funny thing is is when i went to Kubert school and this is how i kind of kind of went into film was when i was there i kind of got obsessed with kevin smith because who did um at the time what's up who didn't in that yeah era? right yeah at the time you know it I mean? was the only like he's he... so prolific he really is the modern age uh, stan lee yeah he know? was and like when I, I i i was going to cubert school but i was also working part-time at the theater and mall rats had just come out and and like i went to see it and i was like man i freaking love this movie this movie's yes. like i feel what do the kids say now i'll feel seen you know i feel like, seen <laughs> yeah oh like that, I, that... That movie is very influential on me as well. Oh, just big as a comic time. creator. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, just, it was like a shared universe. It was all yeah. this stuff that is kind of common now, but it wasn't common then. Yeah. And then um and Stan Lee's first cameo. Yes, yeah. Then when I saw Stan Lee and they were talking comics, all that stuff yeah. was great. The comic store within the movie, and you know, and they made and Kevin Smith made Brody like this comic fan but he was super freaking cool like he, he was, was just cool, like well because didn't that's take a, anybody's shit you know yeah, it was just he, like yeah uh, you saw funny. both right you saw the the steve dave and the guy uh yeah in line and like they had the full spectrum of the comic community there they had like the nerd guys Absolutely. who were just like super like anal about like story content and continuity and you yeah. know whatever like you know those guys and there's nothing wrong with that either and yeah, then they right. had like you know your, your your brody you know what i mean yeah like, yeah guy read Absolutely. comics and you know shot the shit and you know yep. whatever you know <laughs> and it's after i saw mall rats uh, every uh, i was talking to the guy at the cinema he's like yeah now you gotta go see the first one and i was like wait a second is a first one you know um and, it, and he's like, yeah, you got to see Clerks. And I was like, Clerks? And so I uh, went and found Clerks, you know, on, on VHS at the time. And, um, you know, I watched that. And I was like blown away. But that was also put in my head like, hey, you can make independent films. Like, look at how, you know, what was that movie cost? 28000 or something? It was really like cheap at the time. Yeah, yeah. 
30 you know, 30k like, across three credit cards or something like that yeah yeah isn't that nuts yeah. so but yeah that's sort of how i got inspired to want to do you know film and it kind of went from there you know so yeah, yeah. footnote actually uh real quick before we uh uh do anything else is uh uh if we want to refer back to the indie comics relay episode with george o'connor there we talked about actually all kind of doing film stuff before transitioning into comics oh yeah yeah because yeah. he's doing stuff too right yeah i'll have to go back and he look did. at that episode maybe there's some good bits i can pull out you know right right <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about kevin smith and uh you know how kind of influential he was and uh i was you know thinking that you know anybody who reads surrounded by death and more specifically we're talking about mall rats anybody who reads surrounded by death can't not deny that how much small rats had an influence on me because there's a lot of that feeling there in that book oh yeah uh, absolutely even a hero envy was heavily inspired by kevin smith like i remember right. like before we started doing it as a web series we had written a screenplay and and i i told my writing partner because he had wrote and written most of it and i politely told him we gotta we gotta throw this out because this is just mall rats again like it, he literally <laughs> it was he just rewrote mall. mall rats honestly it was it it was very close it was um and and it was just it it was centered almost the same kind of stuff where it's like a guy that was trying to find a girl you know like had a girlfriend that he couldn't quite get together with i mean it was it was ridiculous but i do remember we had um some some of the elements of the script made it into the web so like we did an episode about cartoons and we threw a lot of the cartoon talk that we had in it which kevin smith would do a lot of too you know right, but um right. uh getting back to when i you know like when i was still at school like having seen his stuff put me on a path to i wanted to make movies at that time and not be into comics anymore it was kind of felt like it was like the shiny new thing to do like and i was um right i was wa well into that and i kind of forgotten comics like i kind of walked away i, I um yeah i was i was more it, concentrated on that you know and in fairness to you it's not like the comic industry itself was booming at that time where like it's the you know shiny thing to jump to you know whereas like i even feel like now a lot of people are treating indie comics the way we treated that indie film thing you know what i mean so yeah it's like everybody's trying to throw their hat into the indie comics arena nowadays yeah well because the, the things are kind of flipped like people see that comics can make movies now so everyone's right. trying to make the comics so they can make a movie with it you know and it's like but that's just the that's the last reason to get into indie comics. oh absolutely like, that's your, that's your like, first that's a first that's a first class ticket to heartbreak <laughs> you know, like, absolutely you gotta love the comics you know, medium and to to be able to do that like like i i feel like that's something that's in back of all creators heads like Oh, it'd be awesome if Hollywood came and wanted to make my comic into a movie, but yeah, yeah. that you can't let that be the driving factor. That could that should be like the the cherry on the top of your Sunday, and the rest of your that, Sunday should be just wanting to make comics. You know, so that daydream, the oh, this will get made into a movie one day, is like the 
oh, I'm going to win the lottery one day. Exactly. Absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the creative ver- like equivalent to that. And it's like something where you think about and you go, oh, what would I do if this? What would I do of that? You know, yeah. oh, would it be cool to see this character live action? Who would play this and who would play that? But really, it's like, and you know, and that's not to say you can't win the lottery. Yeah, you know what right. I mean. But you got to pay to play. So. Yeah, you got to pay to play. You gotta, you gotta like also like the more books you make, the better you get as a creator, and you learn. You know, you constantly learn how to make a comic better. Like you know, like and that's that's the one thing about just doing it. Like, you know, like when, whenever you see a creator, like a, a creator that's made it usually almost, I'd say almost a hundred percent of the time, their advice for people to break into the industry is just make comics and like, just make comics. I feel that's like what Stan Lee told me to do. Did he really? Oh yeah. Yes, you, when you I met, met Stanley, Stan right. Yep. I met Stanley in 2013. It, I had issue one of Sartana Okay. And it was my first comic ever. And I was super proud of it. And I, uh, when I, you know, was at New York Comic Con, he happened to be signing. That was during that era where they were like really pressing him out there at the uh, convention to so, you know, get yeah. your autographs, get your memorabilia. And he was still, you know, very lucid with it and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, and I only had like seconds with the guy. Because there was a long, long line. And, you know, as fast and as quickly as I could get it out of my mouth, I asked him, I was like, I'm an indie comic creator. I have a spaghetti Western comic book. It's my first comic book. Put it out. What would you recommend for me to do? (laughs) Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, sir. And he goes, son, just keep doing it. That's awesome. It it hit me like an arrow to my like It's got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you you got some of the magic from him. Like it like yeah. you know what I mean? Like that was Stan Lee's <laughs> mutant power. Like you just to inspire, you know. Oh that's yeah. great. That, that, like, that literally lit a fire, dude. Like that was oh, I believe it. Like because like I've yeah. had, you know, run-ins with some creators, but like that's like next level. Like I've never got to meet like a a legend like that and like talk like i i got a picture with Stan Lee with John, but it was you know like the typical convention, like you run in, you can't talk to him, take the picture and you leave. Yeah. And like, it was one of those situations. So I have a picture with Stanley, but I never had the the conversation like you did, which yeah. I wish I, I would find that preferable, you know? Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. The only one but I, it wasn't, it wasn't even a full, like, I wish I could have like taken hours with the guy, just asking right. him a million things. And, you know, and maybe in the course of five seconds, I got, um, the most direct poignant answer what i was looking for you know yeah, what i mean what i didn't even that. know i was looking for what i needed from him he gave to me verbally and just a few yeah minutes. that's great and uh, the only closest time i ever got with something like that was actually kevin smith like when i was oh really yeah when i was when i was still in new jersey from the Kubert school i you know i found out about red banks and where you know kevin smith was from and which about it was about an hour and a half drive from where I was living in New Jersey. And um, they had just opened up the, the secret stash store. Like this was okay. after um, this was after chasing Amy came out. So this was about a year after okay. I saw Mallrats and all that. So I was well yeah. in the Smith. I was watching those movies like crazy and, you know, and um, chasing Amy came out and I love that movie too. And like, I was like, you know what? I want to go down there. Like, you know, so I, I, in my spare time at the Kubert school, I started drawing. He was also Kevin Smith had started doing comics at that time. Remember he had 
with on he put on press on the map with the clerks comic and all that so yep. um yep. and in and the chasing did, uh, amy movie green arrow yeah yep in green arrow and the chasing a movie he had the this jay and silent bob as blunt man and chronic yep. so i sat down and i drew i wrote and drew a five-page comic story of my own of like blunt man and chronic like i made it the best i could possibly make it use kind of his humor and things like that yeah, you yeah. know and uh you played in his sandbox a little bit yeah and i was like i don't know what i was thinking about i don't know if it was like i was you know in the back of my head i was like i'm gonna be hired by kevin smith to do stuff you know like but it was more <laughs> like it was kind of like it ended up being more of a fan thing but i went down there i drove down the red banks and i went to the jay and silent bob's secret stash and I wasn't expecting much. I was like, oh, let me see who's working. Maybe I could pass it on to Kevin Smith, you know? Yeah. And uh, Jay was actually working at the store. Oh, it's wild. It, it was wild. And I got a picture with him. And then um, I said, I gave him a copy of it. He's like, this is awesome. He loved it, you know? And um, I go, is there any way I could get this to Kevin Smith? And he's like, yeah, sure. Just go down the street. He's he's at, at his office. I'm like, I, like my mind was You're blown. Like, yeah, I was like, what? So I walked down the street, this half a block. I go right in the door. There he was. He was on the phone with somebody from like Miramax or something. And I was just sitting there waiting for him to get off the phone. And, and like, I'm look so surreal, dude. Like, I looked over, there's like um, Scott Mosier is in the other room. And, and like all the people you see in Clerks like just side characters were all working there. You know, like they were, I was like, Oh, I recognize her. I recognize him. You know, like it was just wild. And then um, Kevin Smith, had got off the phone. I handed him the the book and he, or the five page thing. And he paged through it. And we talked movies for about 15 minutes and yeah, it was surreal, dude. I left and I was like on cloud nine. I thought it was so cool. You know, that's awesome. Ever kept it? I don't know what he did with it, but I have a copy of it somewhere. I'll have to show it to you sometime. You know. Oh, I'd love to check that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Uh, it was. It was happy for me to put a copy of uh, "Surrounded by Death" in the hands of uh, both Jay and uh, you know uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah. But uh, also in hindsight, it was like a little cringy. I'm like, oh, I kind of felt like that guy. A little bit. Like, oh, I love your work here. Check out some of mine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that comes with age. The longer you do it, like, because like. Yeah. I would not do that now. Like it's different. Yeah, right. Like if I, if I saw Kevin Smith, I would just say hi to him and I wouldn't even, right. I wouldn't even think about like handing him like something that I just drew for him basically. You right. Know? Right. Exactly. I would say, here's my book, you know, check it out or something, you right. know, but, but yeah, no, it's kind of funny. The, the stuff with age, you know, I guess as you, right. you're in the well, industry more, the longer you're in it, the more you understand it. It's all perspective, right? Absolutely. And I think like, so movies helped me find my way back to comics where it sounds like with you, you started in film and then found comics, you know, like, so. Yeah. I, so where I was, you know, making films and things like that, one of the things that led me to making Sartana uh, was that I wanted to do a spaghetti, I want to film a spaghetti Western, but you know, I'm in Massachusetts here, just the same as you are. And Massachusetts doesn't really have a lot of locale that scream <laughs> like old west. No, no. So unless I was really gonna fly out to somewhere remote and try to do this story, I was like, well, let me, you know, kind of take a very obscure character from an old series of movies and play in that sandbox and kind of 
write the story out. And I did that. And then as I was going to these comic cons and these creator convention, uh, creator connection uh, panels at conventions, uh, you know, I met an artist, uh, Joe Arnold. He's out of Colorado. Okay. He actually worked with Mike Barron on the Thin Blue Line comic book, which was kind of very popular and very controversial. Uh, yeah. Joe's an awesome artist. Awesome, awesome artist. I and think I saw he, that. Like, because it was in, wasn't that, that was kind of like a, yeah, it was, I remember it was like a big deal. Like, you know, people yeah, didn't it was, like it because it was co- cops and things like that, right? Something right, like that. Right, right. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, it was at a time where, you know, the Black Lives Matter was, uh, at its loudest and yeah. um you know some cops were getting a bad rap yeah you know what i mean i'm not saying the ones from um you know the, the ones from that did something wrong were getting a bad rap i'm just saying that in general there was just the general mentality right right against yeah. police I know officers what you're saying. You know? yeah right right exactly so um it, it was it was tough and i think that's what kind of catapulted it to becoming a controversial book but, um, you know, Joe does great work. And I, anyways, I just, as a tangent, just to circle back around, I met Joe in San Diego back in 2011, 20, oh, wow. 2011, I think it was. At one was of it like one of those creator shows. things, like uh, yep, creator functions? Um, there's a really, really great program out of San Diego uh, during San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, it's called the Toucan Learning Systems. And it's run by uh, two great guys, uh, Doug and Corey, and uh, they basically do like a speed dating where they take artists and writers, they put them across from one another, and they have five minutes to basically pitch a concept. Okay. And you, you just go around the room. So you you can meet like 10 to 15 people in like the two or three hours for this panel in the time that you're doing like these pitches and looking through people's portfolios. And that's where I met Joe and he was really, really, he had some Western pages already in his portfolio. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, this kind of reminds me of the stuff that I want to work on. So uh, we, you know, we talked about it a little bit and we came to the agreement and uh, we finally settled and I made Sartana. And I actually awesome. was lucky enough because he was working with a publisher at the time, CCP Comics. And so, uh, like right out the gate, I was published under our under a publisher. Oh wow! So it was That's almost awesome. like I I jumped and skipped right ahead. I yeah, felt like I jumped <laughs> I jumped the line a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. That's uh, great. And, and they just needed there, like something from him, and they needed you to you needed like a right like a collaboration, right? Something to, right, to collaborate right. with. Yeah. And uh, you know, but it was good doing that because I also felt like I was thrown in the deep end. Okay. At a very young point in my creative comic career to doing like like new york you know what i mean so like the booth that you're in in new york which is right outside of where um new york comic-con where marvel is like that was one of the first places i've ever exhibited and it was just so busy and it was kind of like you know working it was just really intense it was an intense time working behind the booth selling books selling other people's books selling artwork and just kind of understanding what it's like to exhibit and right. to you know kind of work the process you know what i mean yeah because that's intimidating to a lot of newer creators and things like that so it's like you just gotta jump in you know treat yeah. it like a, a job basically right which we which talked about on our show a lot was. you know yeah <laughs> uh with us like i was already comfortable with talking to people like when we did shows because I, you know, I worked in customer service. I worked at comic book. I was at a comic book store at the time working. So I, I was always already comfortable 
in this in a convention you know what i mean like i already this is like this is my people you know like when i walked in you right, know right and um so i was always comfortable talking to people and i always believed in everything we were doing like the the hero envy stuff so i had no problem like hey check this out you know and going up to people and handing them stuff and you know yeah um but that's a you know that's me not it's not everybody some people are introverted so you know so um but yeah i don't know well, the whole convention i think thing that's the difference kinda... of people who are successful at a convention versus people who kind of like you know have to sell themselves on their work alone so a lot of artists have some really nice pieces that they, they can just kind of put out there on their tables and people can walk by get pulled in by the artwork and they don't even have to lift their head from the project that they're sketching behind the table and they're making money. Whereas right. like if you're a writer and you're trying to push your indie book, you kind of have to like rope people in, talk to them, find, you know, you have to be a little bit of the used car salesman. A little bit. Where yeah. You, you have to say, Oh, what do you like? What do you watch this and that, you know, get a little personal with them. And once they start opening up to you, you can make suggestions and that's where you put the book, you know, directly in their hands, yeah. you know, and as they flip through it, and if you're, you know, if you've done it long enough, you can see kind of where people are hooked or where they're disconnected. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and you, definitely. And you and you also learn to gauge yourself so you're not being too too forward or too pushy uh, against, you know, making a sale. And, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Possibly yeah, losing the person, having them walk away. You know, because you're not only just trying to make a sale, you're trying to make a fan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One. One question I had creatively for you, Johnny, too, was like, yeah. so like, I know like my stuff is tends to be more fan, like, I'd say not family friendly all the time, but like, you know, I'd say probably like 75% of it, like, like the, the hero envy stuff is a little more PG 13 and that's, you know, and I've done some other stuff that's kind of like a little bit of horror, but you seem to be more horror, like your stuff it tends to fall into the horror realm. Is that like your preferred genre? Do you like like the horror stuff or is it just easier to write? Is there like, you know, like, like. So I don't really like say, Oh, I want to specifically do this kind of story and then set out to do it. It's more of just like, you know, whatever the story happens to be, I write. And they, I guess that they just naturally happen to lean more into the horror genre. And it is a, you know, it is a genre I, I enjoy. Yeah. You know, a lot of, I like, so the other half of what I guess a byproduct of surrounded by death is not only my love of mall rats and Kevin Smith, but uh, my love of uh, Shaun of the dead as a movie. Okay. You know what I mean? And that kind of um, that it's a love letter to that a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. The, um, yeah. So do you see, like when you said you, you, um, you don't really think of the genre, is, is it more like you think of the character arc of the, is it like when you write a story, it's like, do you want to be like, I want to tell a story about this guy doing this. And then you figure out where, where, where setting it would make that work. Is that more? Yeah. So the, when, when I have a story that is kind of one, I a hundred percent came up with myself, it usually starts with like something small or obscure. And then I kind of build off that. Okay. So whether it's a line of dialogue and I'm like, where would this line of dialogue work? What, you know, where would it be said? What gotcha. kind of setting is that? Who would say it? 
yeah what would the world be like when you know th- this line was said and then i kind of it reverberates from there you know what i mean yeah almost so, like a shock wave right of creativity in a yeah, lot of ways yeah. so <laughs> so it's it, sometimes it's a location you know uh, yeah sometimes it's a it's a, a stipulation you know like so there's you know my story i've always pitched that i want to do called clark and five where it's like where my stipulation is hum- uh humanity has become second place to artificial intelligence which i feel like we're on the cusp of that oh reality. god you gotta write that book dude <laughs> but right i gotta now, write that book before now, though, ai though. writes it for you <laughs> yeah. but uh actually and that's funny too though because I've, I've thought about now that i've waited this long to tell the story and i haven't you know well i've put it to paper but not in a finalized version yet now that we've kind of ai's caught up to us creatively if i dabble a little bit with ai creating the story what would it look like then you know what yeah, i mean right. maybe th- maybe you i have some input that story because it wasn't the right time but now maybe now is the right time you know what yeah. i mean and it that's the thing too like... is that uh, not yeah was just, one more thing one just one more thing to put a pin in is like creatively the way i'm driven just to kind of wrap it back around is that i'm not driven by uh somebody gives me a log line and go write this yeah. It's like I have to find the passion for the story myself. You know, I have to be really jazzed about it for me to want to write, write it. it and commit it and commit the time to it. And that's the number one thing I've kind of learned in the process of writing comics is that time is so valuable. And absolutely. you don't want to waste time on projects that you don't have the heart in. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You know, that's why I don't think I'd ever write for somebody else unless i got a job at marvel or dc like i would write spider-man like you know i would do stuff like that but like i as far as like another indie creator asking me to write a story for them i don't know if i would do it like because i i wouldn't have the same passion for it you know what if it was a paid gig though i don't know I, i like you said like you got so much time and if the passion's not there you're not putting in your best work i don't think like i don't know I don't know. It could be different for everybody. Some people might do it for freelance. I don't know, but and I, and so yeah, I don't know. Instances like me. that, I like to think of as like a good tangent, like because sometimes I'll hit roadblocks with my own creative work, and I'm like, oh god, I feel like I'm idle, you know. And but yeah. if I'm working on another project or somebody else's project or something like that, and it please, helps you kind of gain that. It helps that, exactly, yeah. and it helps your creative juices boomerang back right around to you, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I actually find more like more passion for like lettering someone's project than actually would be writing it. Because I feel like because the lettering, you feel like you're part of the creative team, like you feel like you're part of the artwork, oh. you know, so like, yeah, that little touch, you know, that makes the, the story light up, you know, uh, you know, I'll never not stop talking about how much I love your lettering. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate back, that. Anybody listening, read Surrounded by Death issues one and two and look at the back half. The last 15 pages of issue two is Keith Gleason's lettering. And he just brings the story to such another level with the detail he put in. And like, oh, thanks, just, man all the all the little things he that i didn't even think of that he added in to make it just so much better and so much more readable and so much more of a fun book 
Thanks. Dude, no, no, I can't gush enough about how awesome. Well, I feel like when you're writing a book, sometimes you're not thinking about that stuff. You know, like you're not thinking about a fight and you're not thinking about when someone gets punched, there's like a chalk sound or a a waboom, you know, like you don't, you just write that there's a fight, you know, and that's where a good letter helps you What's that? Yeah. Is a screenwriter thinking about the score when he's right. writing the it, script? Absolutely. Like it's, so it's like that that's being a letterer specifically. That's like that's you know you're oh yeah, focused. Definitely. So you know where your slice you can add and improve things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, yeah, so I know I I, I enjoy that aspect of it. But um yeah, I don't know how much time we got, how much more uh <laughs> we want to get into this, but um I guess like, I don't know, I guess final thoughts about comics would be like, I don't know, just do them. Like I said earlier, like, you know, just make comics like that's what every great creator tells you to do. And I agree with that. I think it's you got to learn. You got to keep going and keep making books, you know. Right. Well, one thing I wanted to ask is, um, you know, you talked a little about how we were inspired by Kevin Smith. Yeah, but you know, your I'd say your your main blood book that you've created is Mighty Mascots. Oh yeah, yeah. And when you read that book, I mean that book bleeds like Avengers. You know what I mean? So yeah. where was your genuine inspiration for Mighty Mascots? When you peel back all the layers of you know why why how and what inspired you to write that book, you know where was the precipice of that? I'd say that one was more <laughs> my love of the eighties and Saturday morning cartoons, like was more the inspiration, but it was like a single t-shirt. I think I've told you that story where it's like, Amy bought me this t-shirt that had all the breakfast mascots on it and they were all hanging out. And that was the spark, you know, like that was the spark that I was like, there's something there. And then that kind of figured out what it was going to be. It was like you were talking about earlier with that one line of dialogue and then everything verberates from it. That was that my moment with mighty mascots. And then the superhero stuff just kind of came in. I was thinking more, more of them like uh, doom patrol or like metal men. Cause if you think about the format of the team, you have Manny Coleman, who's the professor overseeing this group of weirdos and misfits more like doom patrol but also a little bit like metal men with dr magnus and the metal guys you know so yeah yeah it's that was more the template but i could see where you could say avengers too you know anyone that has like a team it's kind of like you know well so that stuff more specifically like these are the parallels i pulled from it is that when you look at horatio honeyflakes you know, your, your main character, who's the leader of the team and the pirate, uh, he's your Captain America. I mean, he's calling out battle moves on the field with, you know, the best guy for the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a very Captain America thing, but he's also self-conflicted from his mistakes, from his past, things like that. You know, Uh, you know, when he's uh, having his anxiety laden flashback, and I think it was like issue two or something like that, or issue three, uh, you know, it very much harkens back to cap lamenting over losing Bucky. Right. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and there, there's a lot of like thread there. And then you look at boxer bear and he's literally the Hulk. And that's the way the Hulk was treated on the Avengers. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like just that enforcer and that brute strength guy. Yeah. And so, and I guess where, you know, where you didn't think Avengers when you wrote it, 
I'm reading it and I'm feeling the Avengers comics. I read oh, them. totally can see that. You know like it mean? all seeps in. Like it all. Right. You know, it's like a feel. I feel like you when you make something, it's like you know a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, it's like you're adding like ingredients to make this beautiful thing. You know, and right. That's right. sort of. But Go ahead. I was just gonna say, but I'm sure it's interesting and in, for your perspective that where you weren't necessarily influenced by Avengers for this, that somebody who reads it comes back would, to you and would, shares their influence. You know? Yeah. And they would like, see Oh, I that. never like, saw it that way. You know? Right. 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 Yeah. I could totally see that, you know, and, and I was just looking at it. It was like, every team needs a good, strong guy, you know, like in that, yeah. you know what I mean? Like when you build it, it's like just that angle, but yeah, totally the Hulk, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously with the savagery and the, you know, the, you know, not talking right. more of the right. Hulk than I thought it was, you know? Right. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's sort of, Sort of like the components there, I guess, you know. So. Yeah, but but I mean, you also have your obvious other, you know, homages like um, when the um, I forget the robots characters' names but when they form Voltron or yeah. your iteration of Voltron. You know what I mean? It's like, it, and you said it was your love letter to Saturday morning cartoons and sugary cereals and oh yeah, all definitely. that wonderful <laughs> stuff we cherished as a kid, you know, but, oh, yeah. but very much told and put through a mesh strainer of superhero comic books. Absolutely. Know, yeah. Yeah. Your influence is definitely apparent right there. Yeah. When I, when I pitch it at shows and I'll wrap it up here, cause I know we're running out of time, like the, but when I pitch it at the shows, it's lower, like, you know, if you took Saturday morning cartoons and jammed it with, avengers or justice league and that's what you get when mighty mascots written in like that style of those comics i grew up with as well you know like i love those old the way um you know roy thomas or even like doug monch or any of the bill mantlow all those guys used to write jm dematius used to write superhero comics in that era of when we were growing up and yeah just want to get back to that style of writing so that's sort of what mighty mascots is and i think it hits people differently whoever wherever you grew up and you know and you're reading it and you know, either you know you get it from that or other things like there's yeah. younger kids that have read it that don't necessarily have known saturday morning cartoons at all but they still like right. it because it appeals to something and i'm you know something they grew up i think everybody kind of knows mascots and they know like cereals and things like that so right. i think it just hits on a lot of levels which is my intention as well <laughs> yeah i guess right you know? and there's recognition in the characters you're spoofing as well oh absolutely you know, yeah absolutely Mr. conscious the kool-aid man and things yeah. of that nature oh yeah definitely it's part of the fun of the book i think too is like being able to tell who i was homaging yeah you know and you right, know right, right. different things like that so yeah definitely right. so uh, mighty mascots out there <laughs> wants to check it out you know? <laughs> Keith uh, thank you for talking today and uh, you know uh, one thing I want to just you know compliment if I, and I can compliment you forever Keith <laughs> but one thing I just want to compliment is that I mean you, you I think your work encap encapsulates comics so beautifully uh, you know like you said it, it, it just, it's a homage of so many different things but uh, it, it's um it, it, it kind of uh it, it's a comic that if you pick it up it's almost timeless oh, you know? okay. thanks and uh, uh it's you know it, it comes from being a genuine comic creator i think awesome dude and thank you for uh talking to me today too johnny and uh you know same thing i i the thing i really like about your books in particular 
is the, the horror stuff that you do the the characters that are at the core of those the the, the human like you capture the humanity of of the you know the regular characters in the story like um pete and uh uh god I'm, is it max i i blanking on the other matt, pete and matt from pete and matt. i knew it was an m word like those their friendship it ties that whole book together the pond i love the the cop in his daughter i love that whole thing like 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 you capture what's great about horror horror movies like you have likable relatable characters and then the horror just complements that so well you know so keep doing horror books dude because you're good at <laughs> thanks, them you man. know so <laughs> thanks man yeah well it's you know that's clearly what the stuff i love is i i put on page like my emotions are on my sleeve <laughs> yeah definitely yeah so and that's why we click so well you know so hells yeah definitely why we're best friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you to johnny and keith for joining us for this discussion Johnny's shop can be found at johnnyc.bitcartel.com and he's on Twitter and Instagram at johnnyc138. Keith's linktree is at mighty underscore mascots and their YouTube channel is youtube.com slash at Indie Comics Relay. As always, those links will be down in the description. Special thanks to Matt Campbell for composing our music and Patrick Hart for designing our logo. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creators on Comics Podcast Podcast.